Every gamer has that one game they want all of their friends to play. Maybe it's old. Maybe it's new. Maybe it's obscure. Or maybe it's the game that everyone is playing. Whatever it is, it's that one game you love to talk about. Join us as we ask each other to try this game. All right, Darren. We've discussed space games in the past. You enjoy them, right? I do, a lot. How about traveling through multiple universes to discover a great meta-commentary on gaming itself? Is that part of this game? Yeah, man. All right, Holy let's shit, get into I No Man's Sky. <laughs> I guess I didn't play enough of it. <laughs> no, you definitely did not. You know, wow. If you didn't sink like probably 20 hours in this game, you've got no idea. Nope, not even close. <laughs> All right, so we're talking about No Man's Sky today. So initially, this was a PS4 exclusive published by uh, published and developed, sorry, by Hello Games. Later on, it would be released on PC, Xbox One, PS5, PS4, obviously, and Xbox Series X and S. This came out initially in 2016, and when it came out, it came out to possibly the worst reviews for a yep. game that we'd yeah. seen in a very long time. It promised an open, breathing, developing universe. And I mean, it delivered that. Technically, the universe was completely open. You could fly from planets to planets. You could warp from star system to star system. You flew from being in space into a planet's atmosphere with no loading screen. That was insane. Mm -hmm. But there just wasn't anything else to it. You got to explore. You got to name things when you found them for the first time. You find a, find a new animal for the first time, you get to name it. There are some very interesting screenshots of names out there, if you care to look for them. Sure. Uh, plenty of planets with uh, with amazing names as well that you can find that people discover the first, for the first time. But that was, that was the entirety of it. So over the course of the game's lifespan, from 2016 to uh, 2021, they've been constantly pushing out updates. I think there are like 10 major updates for this game. Yeah, something like that. Like the foundation update came out in 2016. That that gave people the ability to build bases, buy freighters, have a home planet, and it gave us like survival creator mode. Uh, after that was the Pathfinder update, which gave us Exocraft, and then the story update came out in 2017. Uh, that was like a 30-hour narrative that started to develop this game out. Yeah, it was huge. Um, and so that was when you started to see the actual premise for this game be developed but next was the big update was it was called next in july 2018 that was when they actually had a full multiplayer expansion where you could you see other players around you they weren't just little floating balls of light yeah i remember hearing that story about two people early on in that game who figured out they were standing in the exact same spot on the exact same planet and they could not see each other yeah yeah, so. you, you couldn't see each other for the longest time. It, I think it was in Pathfinder that they even had some kind of a multiplayer update, but it wasn't any mm. good. Yeah. Uh, so back to next, you had free range base building. You could build underwater. You could oh, create wow. fleets of ships and send them out on missions. Holy you God. got this procedurally generated update for planets. Uh, the next one was the Abyss, where they de uh, developed out the underwater stuff more. You could build bigger bases underwater. You got a submarine that you could build. There's 
so many more things that came in the, in the visions update in the beyond update where you got 32 player instances you got the nexus which is like this player hub that follows you around the universe you were able to program stuff for your bases you got big electronics you could tame creatures you had uh the ability wow. to upgrade your ships you could have like multiple ships now at this point they had the living ship update in february which put sentient ships like creatures that hmm. you can beat in space and fly wow uh, I remember that. I remember the announcement for that. Like it's they've they put out so much. The the last one was um I think I think it was back in June when they did their crossplay and next generation updates. Mm -hmm. So okay. that everything is now you can play it on the modern consoles, you can play between systems, so you can play on PC and Xbox One and, and have those okay. talk to each other. And this game is like it, it was it was described as being what they wanted it to be at launch when they released yeah. next in 2018 so two yeah. years later but now this game is a monster it is a it, if this is what they really wanted to make then it is an astounding triumph it's a shame it took them so long though <laughs> yeah well you know this game it's funny because i followed the development of this game and it was really just this little indie game and mm -hmm. it wasn't supposed to go anywhere and then the uk had those terrible floods and they got yeah. flooded out and so people kept saying we'll reach out to sony they'll throw you some money and they did that and sony said okay but you're now an exclusive mm -hmm. and they pushed and pushed and pushed and i remember the head developer on jimmy kimmel showing it off and and then of course it came out and it was a big flop and it was mm -hmm. one of these games where they were never meant to be as big a deal. It was just a small indie game they were building, and Sony decided they were going to be the next big thing. And so, unfortunately, they set them up for failure. But to their absolute credit, they dug in because they made a lot of money off this game. Oh, yeah. They dug in and made it better. I mean, this game, I got it for 33 bucks on sale because it's always on sale. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like it's it's hard not to be impressed with it. And yet, I don't like playing it. So, I what know. is it about the game that you you did and didn't enjoy? So, first off, it's gorgeous. It sounds beautiful. It looks beautiful. I like the way it controls. I've tried three times to play it. The first time, okay. I didn't get very far. The second time, I made it to the point where I was able to repair my little fighter craft, which looks like it's out of Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> and then fly into space, and it makes you land on another planet. Yeah. And then I forget what happened, but I moved on. Yeah. And then I tried again, actually several more, more than three times, so a few times since. And I just, I don't know. It's like, I don't want to have to go get the nuts to bake the bolts, to build the piece of equipment, to build the engine so I can put it in the ship, so I can get on the ship. Like, it's just, we've discussed this before. You like micromanagement. I like macro management. Yeah. And it's one of those things I would love to, I would love to get to the point where I'm, I'm creating fleets and all that sort of stuff. But to me, that now becomes almost a real-time strategy game. Yeah, I keep trying. I keep trying. I own the game. I'm going to try again because it's so beautiful, mm -hmm. but I just can't get over the fact that I don't like the micro stuff. And I, and the interface, the menu interface doesn't do it for me. I, I think it's, it's That's fair. I don't think it's an especially intuitive interface. I think there's too much going on and it's not as clear as it could be. Mm -hmm. But I look at this game and I can understand why people pour hundreds, if not thousands of hours into this game. And oh, yeah high school Farron probably would have been all over this. I probably would have played nothing else. Right. Because it's so cool. Yeah. So this is this is such a involved game on so yeah. many levels. Like it asks you to just build the basics of the basics to 
go and fix your ship and then fly to the next planet and get stuff to fuel your hyperdrive so you can fly to the next solar system to meet a fleet so that you can start sending them out and doing things for you. And I mean, it never becomes like a real-time strategy. It's missions from Assassin's Creed where you just send people off to go do them and then they come back when they're done. Yeah, it's, I have it's no that kind of that. missions. You know, it's just um, that I, it's the micromanaging that drives me nuts. Yeah, and and there's just so much of it. There's yeah. a huge amount of okay. Well, we need you need to go and get a bunch of this raw material to make a bunch of these basic items to make a bunch of these advanced items and all of these complex items. Whereas I want to click on my factory and say, "Build me a tank." I've done the research. Yeah. Now give me the tank. Yeah, absolutely. You know? And, and if I want the tank to be tougher, I'll research better armor or yeah. a better weapon for it. I don't want to have to go buy the nuts and bolts. I don't want to have to go get McDonald's for the scientist. There's no, like, fetch quests. This, the fetch quests that you do in this game are for you. You choose the fetch quests that you want yeah. to go on for the most part. But the story in and of itself, it, it's very much this sort of linear path. It's fly to this universe and or fly to this galaxy and do this thing and fly to this galaxy and do this thing. And then eventually you meet this thing called the atlas which is sort of this nebulous something it doesn't make sense it's what you might like describe as an anomaly or an error and it just sort of exists in space right. and time and you start talking to it and you follow the quote-unquote atlas path and the okay. more you follow this thing the more you realize this whole game is a commentary on gaming and the fact that what you're playing is self-aware of the fact that it is a simulation. Huh. So okay. your your character is also an error in the universe. It is aware wow. that it is in a simulation. Mm -hmm. And as That's you follow... Different. Yeah, I know. As you follow this path, you, you learn more that the Atlas is dying and it, it you're part of a greater cycle. It's done this a million times before. And it leads you to the center of the universe. And when you get to the center of the universe, you're presented with the option of restart the uh, restart the simulation. Mm -hmm. And then you can. And when you restart the simulation, you pop back to the beginning where you wake up on a planet and you've got a crashed fighter beside you. Because you fly it through this wormhole to start a new simulation. Huh. That sounds a little bit like Crying Suns, right? Where you go yeah. into the next chapter and you must start from scratch again. Very much uh, so. Okay. Uh, but the other thing that's sort of interesting about this game that I think talks about gaming as a whole is the fact that the Atlas is aware that the more times that it's done this, the more it has reduced its own lifespan. Hmm. Which is interesting because when you think about it, the more we play a game, the more times we restart a game, the shorter its life expectancy gets. Yeah. You can only replay a game so many times before you finally go, I'm, I'm done, bored. and yeah. you never launch it again. Yeah, it's funny because I had that exact issue. I tried uh, the other day. I kept saying, you know, the Star Trek Discovery Season 3 just ended. And I'm like, I'm going to get back into Star Trek Online. And I got to the point where I, I, I was five minutes into the game went, eh, I just don't yeah. care. And I just, I'm done. Like, after 10 years, I'm done. As much as I want to play the game again, I know I'll never play the game again. Mm -hmm. I hit that point. The games that, to me, last the longest are like real-time strategy games because the map is always different. Right. I can always add the challenge. I can always add a mod with a new unit. I can make the game harder. I can say, oh, I'm not going to use naval units today, or I'm only going to use land units today, or, or whatever. Right. I can artificially create the challenge, but even in the end, I'm going to go, nah. Yeah. But yeah, that's you know, that's interesting. I didn't know. First off, I didn't know the secret of the game. Mm -hmm. So spoilers. Oh, my God. I mean, the game's four years old, whatever. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, there will be spoilers in this podcast. Get over it. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I just, I didn't realize the story was that deep, and that impresses me. 
Mm -hmm. but I'm not sure I'm ever going to make it to the point where I get to the fleet. And that's totally fair. I I think that the story, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of two branches that you can go down with this game. Either you get really into the story, you follow it, and then you get to the next universe, and then the story repeats itself, and you mm -hmm. just don't care. Yeah. Or you can be one of the people who is really into Minecraft or Terraria, these creative games, mm -hmm. and that is a branch that you go down. Or, okay. I, I mean, I suppose, well, yeah, the, the exploration would fall into that as well, because mm -hmm. your options are either design these immense, insane bases. Like, if you, yeah. if you look up some of the bases that people have made online, it's incredible. Absolutely astounding. Everything from farms with every single kind of resource that you could possibly want, so you just show up there and pick what you need and, and leave again, to these replicas of almost real looking buildings. Oh, um, there are, at some point, I don't remember what it was, I think it was Beyond, uh, where they introduced portals between worlds. So oh, you wow. can you can find this ancient structure and if you pump some pump some local resources into it then you can sort of stargate like input coordinates to another portal oh somewhere God. else in the universe and warp yourself there you know what blows my mind all hmm. this complexity and all these additions the game is a one-time buy yeah that's it there's no subscription there's no dlc to purchase they just keep coming back for more yeah that is so cool yeah. The fact that they've poured so much into this, I keep wondering at what point are they going to say, hey guys, throw us another 10 bucks for this DLC. But yeah. clearly they're still making money off this game. Oh, 100%. There's, and it's through word of mouth. It's everybody telling their friends, let's just, just go buy it. Even if you even if you only sink a couple hours into it, this game mm -hmm. is worth it. Okay, yeah. Uh, like, You know, I, th I think listening to what you're saying, I've determined that at some point I'm going to sit down and say, I'm going to keep going till I hit the fleet. Mm -hmm. until I reach the fleet. And then I'll see if I care enough to carry on. Yeah. So maybe I'll just power through it because I've gotten off that first planet onto the second planet. Mm -hmm. Maybe now, I mean, of course that save game's long gone, but maybe I'll, I'll just determine, okay, I'm going to play this until I reach the fleet mm -hmm. and see where it goes. Maybe I'll find a cool Starfighter sim out of it. You know, like, I don't I, know. I think that you definitely can. One of the big draws for a lot of people in this game is hunting down the perfect starship for themselves your your starships get different ranks uh mm -hmm. c through s okay. uh, i think and so you can find these weird exotic starships that are either transport types or scout types or fighter types or you find the living ships out in the universe and you raise one of these things oh, um like I that's that. that that sounds gross but yeah i mean it's neat for some people sure yeah I, it, it very much falls into that fantasy or building up your weapons so you can find the lost freighters that are floating out through space and boarding one and finding this horror-like infested starship that you need oh, to fight your way through. That came out in last year's Halloween update. Oh my god. Um, it's not even one of their major content things. Just something it's, they throw out at you. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. That's neat. Well, you know, I'm definitely going to have to give it a try. Certainly... It's a beautiful game. It's a well-made game. I haven't encountered any bugs, so they're keeping up with the game. And you got to, you know, for a small little indie studio that thought it was putting out a little indie game, they've certainly, this thing has grown and good for them. Yeah, absolutely. So you think you're going to keep playing this a little bit after the hour? Absolutely. I think I'm going to go back. I'm going to give it one more try. And the goal will be, because you say you go from the first planet to the second planet to the fleet, right? Yeah, I think that it's, I think it's that progression. It's not long. I think it's... Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I'll do that. I'll get as far as the fleet, mm -hmm. and I'll see if I want to keep going. Who knows? Maybe I won't. But I'll, you know, at some point, I'll do that. Awesome. So. 
and I'm going to keep on playing this game and, and watching all the new stuff that they pump out and absolutely adoring it. Very cool. All right, there it is. There it is. All right, Adam, you like retro games, right? Yeah. So how about so retro that it's not even a video game? So retro that it hurts? <laughs> sure. This is a video game based on a not video game. It's Pinball FX3. Okay. And it's developed and published by Zen Studios. This particular version has been out since 2017. It's available on Steam and it's you know, also on the consoles. But Pinball FX2 and Pinball FX... Those brand names were available, I think, all the way back to the Xbox 360 and on the Sony PlayStation 3 and the 4. It was called Zen Pinball 2 and 3. I'm not sure why they chose a different name. I can but, remember Zen Pinball, yeah. Yeah, but it's the same thing. And then there was like, you know, when they started doing Star Wars stuff, that was its own app and Marvel was its own app. And eventually they just said to hell with this. They gathered everything under Pinball FX3 and it's all there. Okay. And they actually also got the license to Williams Pinball. Williams used to make real pinball machines. Okay. And they went with a, a rival of, of Zen uh, called Pinball Arcade. And they would very painstakingly replicate these tables. And they had some amazing ones. But I, I don't know. I think maybe their, their license with Williams ran out. And they shipped it over to Zen Pinball. And so Zen remakes these tables but sort of adds to them like they still do medieval madness which is my favorite pinball table of all time but now the you know the the dragon breathes fire he's not just an animatronic plastic <laughs> thing <laughs> so i think you can turn that off if you want a quote-unquote more pure experience but what makes pinball fx this in this case pinball fx3 so neat is that they add to the table so when you get like the spider-man table spider-man will swing back and forth Mm -hmm. If you play the table with uh, Thanos and his Infinity Gauntlet, he glows and all sorts of cool effects. Like, you know, the things they can only do in a video game, even though they're replicating a non-video game source. Right. So you mentioned to me earlier that you, you haven't played pinball that much, like actual physical pinball. No, I like I said, I think that I played pinball a grand total of maybe three or four times. I think it was the Ghostbusters 2 table oh, okay. that they had at uh, the curling club that my dad went to when I was <laughs> a really little kid. Okay. Um, and I can vaguely recall that. I was so bad at it because I was barely tall enough to be able to see the top of the table and yep. be able to see what I was doing. And that was about the extent of it. I thought that it was kind of neat and flashing, but I didn't really understand everything that was going on and what things meant at the time. Yeah, that's the, you know, the one thing. There's a neat there's a couple of neat documentaries. I think they're actually both on YouTube about pinball. And one of them it was an interview. One of the, you know, part of it was an interview with a, an actual pinball designer from Williams. And he says, pinball's trying to tell a story. Mm -hmm. Each table is trying to tell a story. And it's not a complex story. It's you're trying to escape from the cops or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, it's told through where you shoot the ball and what sequence you have to do things in. And I'm the first to admit, when I look at a table, it's often overwhelming to me. 
Mm-hmm. There's so many, there's so many lights in it. It's flashing. Well, what do I do here? And, you know, one of the few ones I know is Medieval Madness. You keep smacking it at the, uh, at the drawbridge of the castle until you knock it down. Okay. Um, so that takes like three hits and then you shoot it in once or twice and then you slay the dragon. There's all these different things you do. But quite often I just, I like the look of pinball because I grew up with pinball. Right. I mean, look, I'm not 150 years old. <laughs> I'm 45. Video games had long since overtaken pinball in the arcades. But when I was in junior high, South Center Mall in South Calgary had a, they opened a new arcade. They used to have one back in the 80s and they closed it because like all arcade uh, arcades in the 80s, it was a den of iniquity, or at least that's what the soccer moms of America would have you think. But they opened this <laughs> new one and it was bright and lots of staff and they had all sorts of pinball machines, including the Star Trek The Next Generation pinball machine, which is pretty impressive. And, you know, a lot of really high-tech stuff. Like, some of the best pinball tables actually came out of the early 90s. Just because electronics, because of video games, had made so many advances. And it's just a lot of fun, you know, to... You're not shooting down aliens or anything like that. You're simply... You have to whack a ball. That's it. Yeah. Sometimes they'll throw more of them at you. But there are some tables out there, like Black Hole, that has a table within a table. And it's... And, you know, instead of the table slanting down towards you, it slants away from you. So it creates this really weird effect in your head. And it's like fighting. It's meant to be fighting against the black hole. Like there's all sorts of crazy stuff that they've learned how to do over the decades. And Zen Studios does a fabulous job of translating that into a video format. And it doesn't hurt that the game is free. Yeah, (laughs) that's a big draw for this game is the fact that you don't have to sink money into it to be able to test this out for as many hours as you want on two free tables. Yeah, you get, is it two? It's Sorcerer's Lair and what's the other one? Uh, The the fishing game from Williams, or the fishing uh, table. Okay. I probably never played that one. I mean, I have almost every table, uh, which I've bought like three or four times at this point over various systems. But yeah, it's, you know, you get that. And then, you know, there are currently 33, actually 34, because for some weird reason, uh, Williams Pinball Volume 6 is not available on the DLC list, but it's (laughs) there. But like there's 34 DLC packs and some of them are Williams Pinball. There's one like it's all the Universal Movie Monster pinball machines. Uh, there's a whack of Star Wars ones. There's one for the new movies. There's one for Solo. One of the best tables they have is, uh, it's called Starfighter. Okay. Where, you, where you choose to be either a TIE fighter or an X-Wing. It's the same table, but your objectives are completely opposite. And your oh, ball cool. even shoots from the from the opposite side of the table. Oh, it's wow. very Oh, yeah, it's very, very cool. And then there's all sorts of Marvel ones. Of, you know, you name it, they got it. There's one dedicated entirely to The Walking Dead. One dedicated to Portal. There's a bunch of Bethesda ones. Yeah, there's a Jurassic World table and there's Aliens pinball where there's like Alien versus Predator, I think Aliens and I forget what the third one was, but you know, they're all themed that way. And then they have the ones they've made for themselves. And the advantage of Pinball FX3 is they took all the tables that were exclusive to Zen Pinball on Sony and Pinball FX on Xbox and they just gathered them all together. Okay. So you can get like the, you know, the core collection and it's like 1099 Canadian or the sci-fi pack 1099 Canadian, that sort of thing. You can go through, I, I sort of wish they would sort of sell them like three bucks a table and you just go to click what yeah. you want. You know, I'll take this one and this one and I don't want that one, but whatever, they're doing it in packages and that's the way they're doing it. But this is a fabulous game. You know, I've spent all this time trying to sell it. We haven't even talked about how good the game is. <laughs> First off, the tables are gorgeous and the sound effects are bang on. Yeah. There's too much bass they're too loud because that's the shitty speakers that you had in those pinball tables. Mm-hmm. That's why the, the the bass is so high. The physics is really good. Like the ball physics, that's hard to do. 
if a pinball video game, and those have been around since the Atari 2600 days, if mm -hmm. the ball itself is, you know, if it feels not real, if it feels janky, it's not much of a pinball game. Yeah, they did a really good job of being able to tune the ball physics quite well and uh, have the have the paddles actually feel really, really good. It doesn't yeah. take long before you can quite quickly hone in on, oh, okay, this is this is where the ball needs to sit on the on the paddle before I hit it to send it yep. in that direction. Yep. And it becomes very intuitive very, very fast. Mm -hmm. You know, you can play it with, I guess you could play it with the control keys or whatever on your keyboard. I used mm. I used my controller, my DualShock yeah. 4, which is my, like my one complaint with this damn game is that it insists on using the Xbox inputs, so A, B, X, Y. Mm -hmm. And one of the one of the most basic things I, I expect of any game is to be able to change your uh, your inputs so they look like the Sony inputs, like the PlayStation inputs. Right. Because DualShock 4 doesn't have a proper driver for the, the PC, so you have to use this thing called DS4. Yeah. And what it does is it tricks your computer into thinking you have an Xbox controller. No straight roads, which I'm playing, same thing. Even if you have an actual Xbox controller, you can tell it to pretend you have a PlayStation controller. Right. And this doesn't do that, and it's really annoying. But other than that, you know, I just use the uh, I use the shoulder buttons, yeah, uh, left one and, and right one, and it feels good because, of course, the actual buttons on a on a pinball machine are just two electronic buttons. And these guys, I was telling you this before the the recording, if you email them, they'll send you a code so that you can play the game with your monitor in portrait mode. So you can turn your monitor on its side. They just, they want you to prove you're not doing it for commercial reasons, which, you know, fair enough. So I actually ordered a monitor arm so I can attach to my desk, mount my monitor on it. And so when I play this game, I can turn the monitor sideways and have the table fill the screen. <laughs> so I can see this thing in detail because they're so gorgeous to look at. They are, they've been uh, beautifully, beautifully rendered and redesigned and brought back to life like i can i can very distinctly recall what pinball tables would look like and they had their own art to them but this really brings it to a modern era and a new level of artistry yeah and you know they have tournaments because of course you can play online like you and i could play and never yeah. be in the same room because i could check and see how many points you got on sorcerer's layer table yeah and then because you're my friend on steam and then you could probably see how much i have so we could technically compete we could also have a tournament where you know we play hot seat the same computer or we could do it over online or we could do it on our own time where we choose you know you choose five tables i choose five tables we play them on our own time and it'll tell us who won right. and they routinely hold tournaments and they have tens of thousands of players like they're you know, this game is now four years old and they're still pumping out new tables. They have places where you can say, well, which Williams table do you want us to try and get next? And they replicate them so exactly. It's one of those things, most people who are listening to this podcast have probably never ever played pinball except maybe some crappy app on a phone. Right. Chances are 99% of the people who are listening to this have never stood in, in an arcade or in a curling club or a bar and put their <laughs> hands on an actual pinball machine. These pinball machines are expensive to maintain. They break down easily. You know, they're not made a lot anymore. Like, if I wanted to actually play Medieval Madness, I think there's one in Edmonton. I th because there's, there's a, you know, there are websites that'll tell you how to track down these tables. I think there's one in Edmonton. Well, I'm not driving three hours to play the, the actual game. <laughs> when I can play it on here, and it's uh, you know it's not the official thing, but I can live with not standing in a in a crappy bar at two in the morning, uh, while two people knife themselves over a you know over a cocaine deal gone bad, just so I can play the game. 
watch. I'll discover it's like in the Ritz Carlton or something. But, you know, <laughs> but but this, you know, this does it beautifully and they sell it on, you know, consoles. You can get it for the PC. Uh, you can even get a mobile version. The one thing that does annoy me, I will say, is that they're not transferable. Really? I would like to be able to sign up for an account with these guys so that if I were to load this game up on my PlayStation 3 or 4 or whatever, it would say, oh, okay, hi, Farron, you've got these tables. Yeah. I'm not sure why they haven't done that. Maybe it's just the infrastructure, but if they're already maintaining the the infrastructure for the servers, to, you know, for tournaments, which really is just statistics, I mean, it's all spreadsheet data, why not do that? But I don't yeah. know, it's whatever. They're a smaller team. I think they're in Budapest. Okay. And yeah, they're, 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 small, they're a small group. They do a wonderful job. And like I said, it's free. Pinball FX3. You go, you download two tables. You don't like it? Okay, you do. Buy the tables you want. And they have tables for, like I said, for, you know, for, especially if you're like a Marvel fan, they have them for just about every character. Oh, yeah. They, they have ones dedicated to the movies. They have one pack I'm never going to buy called the Balls of Glory. Of course they do. And that's um, <laughs> American Dad, Family Guy, and Archer. I played the Archer table. Well, there you go. It's there for you. It's you know, ten ninety nine. Uh, they have the Marvel Cinematic Pack, the Women of Power Pack, which has a bunch of tables, including one with Black Widow. You know, all these different ones, and and some of them are very cool. Some of them are not. Uh, for Universal Classics, it's I think it's Back to the Future, ET, and Jaws. Yeah, that's cool. You know, uh, they have one for the Last Jedi. The only thing I will say is they don't use the vo even though they're using the, all the proper sound effects and the proper music from Star Wars, mm -hmm. they use uh, they don't use the character clips like uh, like sound clips. So oh, when really? you yeah, so when you hear Harrison Ford, it's not him. It's it's a sound alike. You paid for the thing, like pay the extra few bucks for the. I mean, I, mean, I guess maybe you know it'd be expensive to pay for Harrison Ford. It's cheaper for them to find a sound alike, but eh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, I suppose that you're probably buying specific licenses, and the licenses for the characters' voices is probably a bit more expensive than the licenses for, like, blaster sounds. Yeah, I suppose. But, uh, no, this is like this is a great game, and it, it's one of those things, you, you buy the bits you want and the bits you don't. It's a little aggressive about trying to get you the new stuff, because the menu will show you every pinball table, whether you own it or not, and after a while, because it's kind of annoying. So, yeah. do you want to buy this one? Do you want to buy this one? No, screw up. I don't want to buy it. Yeah. But, whatever, I have so many of them at this point, there are very few blanks for me. And, you know, as it happens, you know, there's always a Steam sale. You can buy these. They usually cut them down to like half price. I think I got the last Jedi table normally eight bucks. I think I got it for a buck. Uh, you know, for yeah, a buck. You know what? Like yeah. that, that price point is worth it to me. If I could buy tables for a dollar or two, I think that I would be much more inclined to buy them rather than spending 11 bucks for a pack where I'm going to have a bunch of tables I'm not going to care about. Steam's always having a sale. They're lunar sales oh, yeah. in mid-February and... You know, there's, a, there's the Easter sale and there'll be the summer sale. So buy what you want. You don't have to have the full collection because if you were to pay for the full collection of DLC right now, it costs you about 340 bucks. <laughs> so, still nothing like that train simulator where it's like 3000, but yeah. you know, but you know, think about it. If you really like pinball, you know, 10 bucks every few months is not a big deal. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, if this yes. is your game, then that makes perfect sense. Yeah, if you love pinball, this is where you want to be. And again, it's free to try. So, hmm. so yeah. So you're going to play more of this? Uh, I mean, it's, it's not something that I'm gonna gonna go out of my way and like, oh man, I were, I really want to play a, a bunch of pinball today, or I'm gonna I'm gonna stream this, but it'll be something that I'll keep around and and when I'm bored and just kind of flip through my Steam library, then I'll go, oh yeah, pinball, I'll play a couple of rounds of pinball. There you go. Actually, I think uh, Twitch is integrated. I think, but uh, oh, interesting. You know, yeah. See, for me, I'll play like I'll go through days where I'll play a lot of pinball and then I won't play for a year. Yeah, and then I'll come back and play a lot. Of pinball. 
but of course, now that I'm getting the monitor mount, you better believe I'll be playing more of it because I can see, <laughs> you know, now I can see it you know, in, in vertical instead of horizontal, so that'd be pretty cool. Hey everyone, Farron here, just quickly breaking in. We recorded this on a Saturday, and in the recording I mentioned that Pinball FX3 has a portrait mode, but you have to email them and request a code. And obviously you need an, an arm mount for your monitor so you can flip it. And I mentioned that I'd ordered the, the arm mount and I'd requested the code. Well, on Monday, I had the code and I had the arm mount, and wow. It's a, forgive the pun, it's a game changer. The detail in these tables is impressive even just in normal landscape mode as you would normally have your monitor but when you turn it on its side when you're in portrait mode and everything is you know is that much bigger the detail really comes to life it's just amazing i played for hours that first day it's now the only way i play pinball fx3 i can't imagine playing it in landscape mode anymore it just seems so mediocre compared to the portrait mode so you know, good on Zen Studios for making that an option. I totally get why they want you to take a picture of your setup. They want to make sure you're not going to create a, a cabinet and, and then, you know, try and run an arcade with this. I get that. Uh, though I imagine if you wanted to, they'd happily talk to you about it. That'd be a cool arcade. But anyway, just to do it on your own, if you can afford an arm mount, you know, they're 25, 30 bucks, you should absolutely do it. Email Zen Studios. They'll send you the code in like one day and you plug it in and you're good to go and then it's just a camera option it absolutely changed the way i view this game if i loved it before now i absolutely love this game it just it changes everything it creates a much closer to a real pinball experience it was very exciting to see and all these weeks later i still adore playing it in portrait so so there it is it is <laughs>